What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up. Howard Bender and Adam Ronis here. We're both from Fantasy Alarm here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. Big shout out to everybody there. Uh, what's going on, Ronis? How was the weekend? Uh, it was good. First weekend of baseball. So very excited about that. So yeah, it was a good weekend. Did you watch a lot of baseball or were you still locked in the NBA? Nah, I was watching more baseball. I mean, the NBA right now, I have to be honest, some of these games are just putrid. Uh, you have a lot of players that are out, like Lakers, Clippers yesterday afternoon. Why the fuck am I watching that game? Like, for real. The Lakers are terrible right now. No LeBron, no Anthony Davis. Why am I going to watch that game for? And it's exactly what I thought. <laughs> you know, Clippers won 104-86. So that would have been a game where if everyone's healthy, I would have been tuned in on a Sunday afternoon uh, nationally televised game. But there's no need to. So that's the problem right now. And even as I was going through looking at these matchups today, they're horrible. I mean, the Wizards, Raptors, both suck right now. Uh, The Jazz Mavericks, not a bad game. Pistons, Thunder, no one cares. Cavaliers, Spurs, no one cares. Suns favored by 14. It's just it's a lot of bad games right now. So, nah, it's the start of the baseball season. Uh, So I was more locked into baseball this weekend. And then, of course, on Saturday, the NCAA semifinal, which was like one of the best games we've seen with Gonzaga and UCLA. Yeah, that one there. I mean, listen, we're recording here Monday night, so the championship game is uh, is is coming up uh, in a little later here. But, yeah, we can definitely talk about the, uh, you know, Gonzaga with the buzzer beater. But what about, what about Baylor? Like, how much of a powerhouse does Baylor look like, the way that they just absolutely mowed over Houston? And, I mean, you know, in all – actuality you look at the uh the, the Baylor's trip through here through the tournament like they were an undefeated team earlier on the season then they had like they like there was there was like a COVID outbreak and so they ended up like taking some time off and then I think they lost a game or two like during that or like right after that and you know now everybody's back everybody's healthy this team is is an absolute powerhouse yeah they only lost two games all year so like we said we're Recording right before the championship, so by the time people listen, they'll know who wins. Yeah, so we don't have to sit too much on that, but we can talk a little baseball here. Uh, I'm sweating out some uh, some player props right now. Uh, this St. Louis Miami game here, I took the under on uh, on strikeouts for Trevor Rogers. It was six and a half. Oh, he's at six, and it looks like he's out of the game. Yeah, he is. He uh, struggled in the first inning, walked three guys and uh, threw like 38 pitches. So uh, he actually, you know what, though? He got through four innings, just two hits, three runs, two earned, four walks, so one walk after in six Ks, 77 pitches for 46 strikes. So, yeah, it wasn't the best, but, you know, to see him really struggle in the first inning and then still be able to throw three more, I'm sure they weren't going to push him and uh, give him a high pitch count in his first start of the season. So, you know, could have been a lot worse. So uh, I'll I'll take it, considering the way that first inning looked. I'll, I will definitely take it. I mean, listen, I, you know, my my concern here and the way I went under on the props was, you know, obviously it, it, this was his first start. Um, you know, Jim was really he was you know when Jim Bowden and I were talking on the Fantasy Alarm Show, he was citing, um, you know, nerves and and you know and how he settled down and was really quick to point out. That yeah, that first inning absolutely sucked, but uh, you know, two through four, uh, I mean, was really really nice. So it's very so it's encouraging. So if you if you have Trevor Rogers 
and you don't love the pitching line, you know, four walks in that game, you know, you got to at least say that, you know, all right, opening time, you know, opening jitters, everything settled down. I'm looking forward to his next start for sure. Oh, me too. I drafted him in a lot of leagues. Uh, most of my leagues, I have him. I think the only two leagues I don't have him are Telton Labor. Mish got him in Labor, but he was definitely someone that was uh, someone I was eyeing, and I even pushed him up the draft board a little bit. So he's got a two-start week. You know, this one again, mediocre, but considering he was really shaky in the first, and I'm sure it was nerves. That happens. You know, guys get out there, or sometimes we've seen it, especially with the elite pitchers, they just struggle in the first inning and. Once they get out of it, that's it. They settle down. They're locked in. And I'm not saying he's elite, uh, but I'm just saying you see it a lot with top pitchers. Uh, oftentimes, they just kind of struggle in the first inning. And then at, once they get in that groove, they just settle down and they kind of cruise the rest of the way. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So sweating that one. Got a couple of other props that I'm sweating. Nothing that uh, that started up right now. Very happy with the Twins today. Dude, I saw your tweet about Nelson Cruz. It's hysterical, isn't it? Like, it, it's kind of like, I mean, it's it's at that same point where it was for Edgar Martinez. It's kind of at that same point where it was for David Ortiz. It was like, you know what? Listen, the dude just keeps hitting. Just watch him hit. Let him get older. Let him keep clubbing these home runs. I'm going to. I'm going to keep investing in him. I uh my wife took him in the uh, in the league that we do, the home league that she's in and uh and she drafted Nelson Cruz. I sent her a screenshot of her live scoring. She was like giddy about it. Of course, man. I mean, I don't think I have as much as I have in years past. Uh part of it was you know, locking up that utility spot and there were more utility eligible players this year. You know, I have JD Martinez in a few spots. Uh, sometimes Cruz most of the time went ahead of him. There were times he went after, but I felt like there were there was a point where I was writing the same Nelson Cruz story year after year and saying the same thing year after year on radio. And it's just like, look, I get it. He's 39 and he's going to slow down at some points, but we've kind of seen very little evidence to show that he's slowing down. There were some slight things last year, but nothing crazy. And it was still a short season. So uh, a guy just rakes, man. And just uh, he hits a ball today opposite field. That was close to being a home run. And then next pitch, he makes sure, okay, this is a no doubt line drive to left center. That is definitely gone. Yeah. When I was doing the, I pulled it Adam Ronis today when I was doing the best bets uh, article over at wageralarm.com. I put in, I said, take the twins money line. I said, take the twins tigers, their run total for the first five innings it was going to be over four and a half. And I was like, do I put in Nelson Cruz here for a home run at plus 360 as a long shot? As like, hey, if you're feeling really frisky about this, you know, it's his first start. He had a pinch hit for the first three games playing stupid uh, interleague in, in Milwaukee. I said, I, I feel like Nelson Cruz is going to, you know, really, you know, have a nice big party today uh, in this one here. But I didn't do it, Adam. I didn't do it. I just said, all right, let me go with the safer bets here. Uh, and not hit my long shot on that one. Yeah, I think it's okay to put those out once in a while just so people know it's a long shot. You know, it has to be clear because you don't want someone, oh, you told me Cruz is going to homer. Well, it's, there's a reason why the odds are what they are, plus three, plus 400. <laughs> you you decide. I'm giving you a suggestion saying, hey, it could happen. You know, just that's the same thing as in the NBA if you're giving out a triple-double. Now, with Russell Westbrook, it's different. You're going to get – the odds aren't as great, and at halftime, he's one assist away from a triple-double, but that's different. 
but home runs, yeah, I mean, it's tough to hit a home run, even when the matchup looks juicy. And yeah, it's just it's tough. So you got to understand that. Yeah. So I was I was I was tempted. I was so tempted. But then I was like, then I just and I was like, you know what? And if he does go yard, at least I can bring it up to Adam and say that, Adam, you're not the only one who, you know, oh, was so close uh, to write this one up. Oh, uh, dude, no joke last night. And uh, Brian Ambrose can confirm. So we were on the phone doing our NFBC fab and Otani was at the plate. I'm like, oh, he's going to go yard here. And 10 <laughs> seconds later, he went yard. That moonshot. <laughs> and I was too. like, I was like, damn, man, I should have hopped on the sports book and bet it. But, you know, I'm not thinking like that at the time. We're going over our fab. So it's just crazy, though. It happens to everyone. We all do it, right? We're sitting there watching the game and we call something that's going to happen. I mean, most of the time we're wrong, but when we get it right, we remember it. Oh, of course. Of course. It's always, you know, when you get it right, it's always like there's that one person in there who you're like, I'm so glad that he was there. She was there to hear me say that because. Otherwise, no one believes you. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, did you bet it? Do you have a receipt? No, I didn't. All right. Too no, bad. I didn't. The problem with the live betting, though, is not. Well, as you remember, TVs are on a delay. If you've ever, I I know you don't really have a lot of sports uh, betting legal there, but if you've ever, and people listening who know this, if you ever try to do live betting, like there, it often freezes a lot because they're ahead. You know, TVs on a delay, and as you know, some TVs are delayed more than others. They get mad at me usually on the broadcast because I'm usually ahead. I'll say something they're like, "Oh, I still didn't see it." That happened last week, I think, with Josh Wagner. He's like, "I still haven't seen it yet." Um, so if you try to do the live betting, sometimes you'll notice like it'll freeze or it's way ahead because, you know, they have the uh, the actual feed or whatever it is. And that's where the live betting can be tricky sometimes. Yeah. You know what? And it's it's one of those reasons why I, I try to steer clear from the live betting. I just you know why? Because I like to I like if I'll, I'll put my bets down. My money is in and then I just want to watch the games like I don't want to have yeah. to like sit there and like in the middle of it. It, it. I can't do that. I don't know. Well, well, the example where it works is if like last night, uh, Denver was like 16 point favorites over Orlando and Orlando was winning at halftime. What was it? 65 47. I don't remember what the odds were, but that's where you go. All right, I'm getting Denver. I don't know. Plus 200, whatever it is. And they came back and won by 10. That's like an instance where you, you go, okay, you know what? They're going to come back. They're just too good, and they slept walk, and they play down to the opponent. That's an instance from where you can capitalize. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Um, all right. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other bets I'm sweating here. Well, there are, but, you know, we can, we, we can talk about them in a little bit. What I want to do here is obviously want to talk to you. Um, you know, waivers ran yesterday for uh, – for MLB, and I just want to talk to you about a couple of players, some interesting things that you saw. Before we get into it, let me thank our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight, uh, the DFS site that you guys got to be playing on. Uh, we've been cruising on Monkey Knife Fight throughout the entire NCAA tournament uh, over at wageralarm.com. If you've missed out on that, you've missed out on some serious money. So don't worry, they got all their good stuff for MLB too, but this is why you should be playing on Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks. 
which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports, too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play Play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. All right, Adam. So first round, you know, first round of waivers goes right before the league starts. And that's where everybody, you know, somebody slipped through the cracks for drafts and stuff like that. Blah, 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 blah. Now you got actual game action here. It's only a couple of games into it we see some you know super hot starts for some players we see not so hot starts for some other players um we see a lot of bid money getting thrown around uh early and listen i will uh, you know raise my hand as a uh, guilty be, you know for for some of it um as well just you know and i'll explain why in just a second but you know out of uh, out of all your leagues that you're doing and you're, you're running fab who was probably the priciest guy you saw go? Um, Julian Merriweather and Yermin Mercedes uh, were probably the two guys that I saw go the most. Uh, looking at TGFBI, Mercedes went 253. I spent 168 on Merriweather. The runner-up was 167. You got to love being on the on the winning end of that one, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh Kyle Isbell was another. I got him for 64 and TGFBI runner-up was 21. I also picked him up in the NFBC online uh, championship. Uh, that's a 12-team league. Um, but, yeah, uh, Ian Kennedy, I see, went for 131. You know, a lot also depends on on when Fab ran. Let me, let me look at the main event because that's probably where. Isbell went for one. 81 Merriweather went for 181. I think actually we were the runner up on Merriweather in the main event. So I was on the other side. He went for 181. Our bid was 173. So we Oof. lost it by eight. Yeah. Uh, um, Cesar Valdez went for 125. I wasn't going that high. Guys like throws 86 yeah. miles per hour. All right. Wait, wait, wait. So <laughs> I got to tell you on the Valdez one, like really? Because I, in, in, in a home league that I'm in. Oh, DeGrom, league. yes. Bases loaded hit. Two for two, DeGrom. There you go. Jake DeGrom. They're not going to score for me. I'm going to do it myself. I love that. I love that. I got plenty of DeGrom this year. Plenty of DeGrom. And I don't know if you, you – I guess you're not watching the Yankees, but a few minutes ago, Stanton hit a grand. Yeah, yeah, that was – yeah, I've – I got that up on the. Uh, well, on I got a room for the Yankees tonight. I have a lot of Jordan Montgomery, and he's off to a great start. So uh, I'll take the Yankee W tonight. He's off to a fantastic start. He's off to a fantastic start. What is it? it was uh, five and two thirds. Scoreless. Yeah, yeah I was. A, I was a big fan of Montgomery this year. 
uh, have him in quite a few leagues. I know I got him in my last draft, that online championship NFBC in a 12 team. Like he was like, it's like round 20. I'm sitting there. I'm like, really? I'm like, all right, I'm taking him. Cause I, I was pretty good on pitching, which is why I let him fall that far. And then I was like, I can't do it anymore. I got to take him. Okay. All right. Well, um, what were we just, Oh, it was Valdez. Oh you, yeah. yeah. A home league hundred dollars for fab for the year. Somebody put $80 on Valdez. He put 80 on Valdez and then he put 20 on Alex Reyes. So he's done. Dude, those guys might they might have three combined saves the rest of the year. Look, Reyes, I know for now, is the guy we all know that they want Jordan Hicks to be the closer, and they're probably gonna ease him in. He threw a scoreless inning the other day. And with Valdez, I mean Okay, he got the first two save opportunities, but it's the Orioles. They're not going to win many games. They're still Tanner Scott. And Valdez is a guy that just, he can get hit. Again, when you're throwing 86 miles per hour at your fastball and you rely on a changeup, it's just going to be tough for that to last. So I understand people, the problem is there's so few reliable closers right now. And there's so many teams where we don't know who's the closer that people are just thirsty to get saves. And I get it, but you have to have some discipline and you have to understand that there'll probably be a lot of opportunities that open up. And trust me, I'm in a spot where in some leagues where I don't even have a closer. Like I had Trevor Rosenthal in a 15-team league. And then I'm like, all right, well, at least I got one good one. And then, you know, took flyers on guys late. Well, now I don't have him. So now I'm like, shit, I don't have much, um, which is why I went to – why I got Mayweather and TGFBI. That was a league where I had Yates and I think I have McGee. So at least I have one. So I, I probably, maybe I shouldn't have gone so high, but I think at least with Merriweather, the guys look good. He throws hard and they've given him two opportunities. On the flip side, you could say, well, they use Romano in a high leverage situation in game one. And he got, he did he wasn't great, but he got through it, even though Talkman ran on him. And that could be a problem for him is giving up the stolen bases. And then the second one, they also used them against uh, Romano against a top of the order. So, and they're not going to use him on back-to-back days, too, uh, as well, because he's had some injuries in the past. I think he had Tommy John as well. But the yeah, guy yeah, looks yeah. good. The guy looks good. Look, I'm taking this might backfire on all of us. You know, it might. But I took a shot thinking, all right, maybe he could keep this job. And now, once you spend like 170, you know, you're gonna have to back away a little bit uh, for a little bit. But you know, I saw. Valdez go for 125, Diekman 77, Davinsky 73, I mean, Taylor Scott 73. I mean, most of the fab was spent on speculation for closer. Even Yimmy Garcia, 20 bucks. That's where we are right now. We're all taking shots. That's uh, that's brutal where we are right now. That's, uh, yeah. Um, You know, I think, you know, here's the thing with with, with Montgomery, with uh, Merriweather. Yeah, he did. He had Tommy John. So Merriweather... Uh, just cause I did the, um, my buzz cuts article over at fantasyalarm.com. you, me, Jen, we're all doing, um, you know, our own dealer's choice kind of column here. So you can get the actual flavor of what we're going through in fantasy and, you know, thoughts that we had. And, you know, one of the things that I was talking about was, you know, you know, Michael A. Taylor and everybody's putting in all this money on Michael A. Taylor and, you know, you, you got to understand who this guy is. I mean, he's a 30-year-old player who couldn't crack the lineup um, in, in Washington for years and years. He's nothing more than a 
than a fourth outfielder. I mean, when the Royals score 27 runs against the Texas Rangers in a three-game series, you would hope everybody played pretty damn well uh, in that series. And so, you know, that's, you know, if you're, are you going to put all that money in on Michael A. Taylor? Or I was like, what about Merriweather? Now, Charlie Montoyo says that he doesn't have a, a set closer. But, you know, one of the things, if you noticed on uh, on opening day with uh, with Rafael Montero, um, when he was up there to, to shut out, you know, to close out the game, uh, he walked Michael Talkman and then immediately Talkman took second and then took third. And Romano didn't even look at him. Um, and it wasn't even so much that, you know, I mean, I, it was like uh, the game was still close and there were no outs when this all went down and, and that pissed off Montoyo. Uh, so, you know, he ends up going with, um, with Merriweather to, to close stuff out. And I mean, like if he doesn't have a reason to not use Merriweather in that case, then why not? Then, you know, so I think that he's got that, that ability, that staying power ability um, in this, you know, he was the, um, he was the player to be named later when Toronto traded Josh Donaldson to Cleveland in 2018. Yeah. And look, I don't know if he's going to stick as the closer, but he's gotten the first couple of opportunities and done well. And I don't see why they wouldn't go back to him next time they get a safe situation, but we'll find out. I mean, it could be Romano. I mean, especially say the bottom of the order is coming up in the eight, seven, eight, nine. Do they go to Merriweather and go, all right, we want Romano for the top of the order. That's something that we have to watch. But the bottom line is you're going to see a lot of people spending on saves, especially in 15 team leagues. Cause there's just few reliable closers. We went over it before the year. And it's just dicey. I mean, there's a lot of teams right now that we still don't know who the closer is. Look at the Royals today, right? Oh, people were spending money on Wade Davis, right? Because Wade Davis came in and relieved Greg Holland opening day. What happens today? Jesse Hahn in to start the night. <laughs> he got into a little bit of trouble. He gave up a hit and a walk, but he got a double play. And he got out of the inning without allowing a run and picked up the save. Now, Holland was warming up while Hahn was in trouble. But I'm already getting questions. Do I drop Holland for Jesse Hahn? So, like, we don't even know who the Royals' closer is. It was Han today. Scott Barlow pitched two scoreless innings to get them to the ninth. Uh, we thought it would be Holland. He struggled on day one. Uh, Wade Davis came in and relieved him, and then I, I think he gave up a run in his next outing. So, like, that's a situation. We still don't know who the closer is in Cleveland, right? We still have so, no so, idea. So what are you doing, and what do you what do you tell people? Like, what's the recommendation when they're like, I mean, they're, they, basically anybody sniffs a save and immediately that following week, everybody's like all in on these guys, you know, for, for save work. Do you just, you know, I mean, see with Han today, I mean, it's a little easy. Well, I mean, I guess if people can make these daily roster moves and it's not about, you know, fab bidding or anything like that, I mean, what do you tell them? Yeah, go ahead. Make that move. I wouldn't drop Holland for Han. Holland's the veteran. Um, I know Han last year. We saw Han last year for 17 in the third innings. He still had a high walk rate. He had a 12.3% walk rate. Uh, he got the strikeouts and his overall numbers were good, but uh, I'm just not convinced he's the guy. So I wouldn't make that move. And look, we're going to be wrong on this stuff. 
Dude, we're going to be wrong on this because it's a manager's decision. We could sit here and say, this is the best guy for the job. Managers don't do that, right? Like everyone wrote off Mark Melanson. Oh, it's going to be Pagan or, or Pomerantz. Melanson's got the first two save opportunities. I got him for $2 in my home league. Like I kind of got lucky in my home league, right? Everyone was spending all this money. I Now, Jake McGee was someone I was very high on. I definitely had him. And I moved him up too as we got closer to the season. I have him in a lot of leagues. I was confident he was the guy, even though it's Gabe Kapler. And he is so far, but that could change. But McGee's I got the guy I got for six. I got Neris for two because everyone was on Alvarado or Bradley. And then I got Melanson for two. So I got fortunate that, you know, I, I didn't bid on any of the high guys and got those guys. But the bottom line is here, we're going to be guessing with a lot of these. And everyone's going to react. But we don't know in a lot of these situations because a lot of these managers said we're not naming a closer. We are going to go with a, a committee. They could be doing that. We might see Greg Holland get the save opportunity tomorrow. Then maybe Wade Dev Davis, the next one. So that's the problem is there are very few teams that have actually named the closer. I mean, Neris was named the closer. We know Girardi likes to go with one guy. So you feel pretty good about that. He did have some he, – he walked uh, – it was Freeman and I think Ozuna. But he got out of it. And I don't really mind that. He was probably being careful with those guys. Doesn't want a lot of home run. And his stuff is still good. Uh, but that's the problem. I mean, there's very few teams where we know who the guy is. And we still see some teams that haven't even had a save opportunity yet. Like the Reds. Who's their closer? We think it's Garrett. What if it's Lucas Sims? Anthony Bass was terrible in his first outing. Is he going to get the next seven opportunity? Daniel Castillo's gotten two for the Rays. Oh, they're a committee, right? We don't know who the closer is for the Red Sox. They've had no save opportunities. So it's dicey across the board. And you really, even the Tigers, right? It was Soto the first one. He was shaky. Then Garcia. Today, Garcia gives up two runs. Soto didn't allow a run, but he was all over the place. If you look at the pitches where he thrown, he threw one pitch nine feet above the catcher. I did see that pitch. That was, uh, it was very nice. It was uh, just, just slightly high. Elevated fastball, right? Just a little too high. Um, for that. So basically, so for, for somebody in daily leagues like that, it's just basically, it's a case by case basis. You have to just, um, as far as like who you're flipping back and forth, like, again, I have, I have trouble with that in the sense that, you know, I don't want to like sit there. I, you know, I, I think that people who play that revolving door of every time a guy gets a save, you go after him. But I mean, who are you dropping? And are you going to drop somebody who could be in line for more saves? Are you dropping somebody who's a productive starting pitcher? And like that's like that, there you go. That's the advantage of fab over daily roster moves is at least you can sit there and say, you know what, with Jesse Hahn, I'm going to sit what happens for the rest of the week. I don't have to make this decision right away. Nobody's like, you know, jumping all over, you know, Jesse Hahn on the waiver wire right now. But I mean, there are just so many people who play you know, daily roster moves in fantasy baseball that they do. They sit there and they just keep churning guys, uh, you know, through a revolving door. And sometimes it's going to hit and other times it's going to backfire. So that's the problem with that. And I know there are probably people who rushed up to pick up Han, but I don't know if he's the closer. This doesn't mean he's the closer just because he got the save today. We saw Davis get the first one. So... And Holland was warming up while Han was in trouble. And that's with the three-run lead. So if that's your closer, you're not going to warm anyone up. You're like, hey, it's a three-run lead. Figure this out. But right. they were ready to go to someone else. 
if Han maybe gave up another hit or something. So it, this is unfortunately what it's going to be like in 2021. And you're probably going to have a lot of teams that do this. And it makes it really difficult for fantasy. Like you really have to make tough decisions and you're going to be wrong. You're going to drop a closer. You're going to pick someone up that isn't. Uh, it's it's definitely headache inducing. <laughs> Trust me, I there are leagues where I don't have a closer right now, and I'm just like, all right, I, I you know I have like three relievers, but I don't know if they're closing. I'm taking shots. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, just again for me, it's it's you know who I agree with you. I'm not I'm not going after Jesse Hahn. I'm not dropping Greg Holland for him. Um, you know, in other cases, I'll, I'll bite on on a on a Julian Merriweather, um, and I'll do that. I'll, I'll go after, um, you know, I'll look at like a Brian Garcia, uh, and you know, and make that move. But yeah, you just I, I can't do it for every single one. I just you know, it's like oh yeah I just feel bad for people <laughs> like constantly doing it. Like you know, and I mean that's uh, that's another reason why it always drives me nuts. You know, people are like, I'm not going to invest in closers in the draft. I'm not going to invest in closers in the draft. But, you know, what's worse, investing in, in high-end closers in the draft or chasing saves all season long, eat, chewing up your fab budget, um, losing waiver priority because every time a guy picks up a, sna- a save, you've got to jump all over him. Well, they both suck because as someone who took Kirby Yates and Trevor Rosenthal, right, in round eight, nine, you know, and now – that hurt. I mean, Yates obviously out for the year. Rosenthal, who knows if he, he's going to return. So, you know, you could look, say, oh, well, look at him. I mean, we don't even know. I mean, the top end guys lose their jobs, too, or struggle. We've seen it. You know, right now, yeah, Hendricks, Chapman. We haven't even seen Edwin Diaz yet, right? So those guys could suck, too. We could look back and go, they're all were bad investments. Maybe a couple of them are good. We just don't know. Right. Oh, dude. And I'll tell you what, you know what, in, in any leagues that I have that saves plus holds, I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't, because you know what, because I know the, the reliever pool and I can find somebody who's going to end up in a good spot at some point or another. And I just, I'm like, I don't want to chase that shit nonstop, nonstop. Um, all right. So closers aside here, uh, talking fab bidding and and waiver results stuff like that. The other guy who was uh, who was extremely popular was Yermin Mercedes. Um, do you believe in Yermin Mercedes, Adam? Not for where the money was spent. There was like a very high price tags for him, so I didn't want to go that high. Yeah, he's off to a hot start. It's great. Maybe there is an opportunity there with the White Sox, but what if he starts to struggle? I know he hit very well in the minor leagues, but he's 28 years old. Yep. He he does have catcher eligibility in RT Sports, man. I put in a bid for him in labor, $2, but he went for more. Yeah, uh, catcher eligible on the DFS sites, too. Oh, it, oh yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Catcher, catcher eligible and still min price on FanDuel right now. Well, FanDuel usually wakes up, you know, later. Right? I mean, I looked at Mercedes. Is, he was 3000 on DraftKings today. And then I already looked at a contest for tomorrow, and he's already 3500 
So he's already he's already losing his bargain status um, for that. But so so I actually I, I I'm not sure how I, I believe in him either. I kind of had to take the chance on him and uh, in in AL tout. And, you know, and, and Bowden was giving me some shit on the show today about it because he doesn't believe in, in Mercedes at all. And I was like, listen. It's AL only. Yeah, AL only. You have to do it. I lost Eloy Jimenez, and here's the 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 added bonus is that when I cut Jimenez, I get back if I do it before June 11th. I think is the the cutoff date. I get ten times what I paid for him in the auction back in Fab money. So I spent twenty nine dollars on Eloy. Um, in the auction, so when I cut him because he's not going to play this year, and he's not, you know, even if he does, it's not going to be uh, in a helpful spot for me. Uh, I'm going to end up getting 290 bid dollars back, which is, you know, pretty big. And so I spent the 168 that it took, and I'm glad I spent the 168. I uh, outbid Larry Schechter by 10 bucks. But yeah, I had to do it, man. I didn't feel great about doing it, but I just. For to me, knowing that I was also going to get this fab rebate, I felt like it's something I had to do. Yeah, it's all contextual team context, and sometimes you know, hey, I have to take a shot because if I don't, then I'm going to be in a bad spot. And if the guy does work out, then it could keep me in contention or at least keep me afloat. So, yeah, it all depends on team context when you're making these bids and ale only. Obviously, not much there on the waiver wire. And you pick a guy up early in the year and he does stick, it just really boosts your team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm just, you know, I got to figure, I, I got to take that shot and see what happens because, yeah, I don't want to, I'm not going to piss on my season, you know, because I lost Eloy Jimenez. You got to fight and scratch and claw and make it back. So. We will see about that. We'll see how it kind of turns out there. Um, other players that I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts on here, Adam, let's start with uh, Cedric Mullins, uh, another uh, another big guy uh, as far as waiver, waiver wire went. He's off to a fantastic start to the season. Um, you know, our friend Phil Backert from SiriusXM uh, tweeting out, finally, the Orioles have that leadoff hitter they've so desperately needed. Are you buying Cedric Mullins? Uh, yeah, I drafted him in the league uh, in the later rounds because I saw that he was getting an opportunity in the spring and it seemed to indicate that he was going to play pretty consistently. Uh, I did bid on him in Tout Wars, but I lost. I think he went for like 147. I wasn't going that high. But yeah, good ballpark to play in. He's got a little speed, not a ton of pop. Um, but yeah, the stolen bases and scoring some runs atop the order uh, – I think he's more 15 team than 12 team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say more 15 team than 12 team. I would agree with that statement. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, all right, wait a minute. Where did my list go, man? Where did my list go? Oh. Well, here you go. What's your take on? Give me your take on the uh, Nomar Mazzara versus Akil Badu situation going on in uh, in Detroit. 
Well, Badu had another big game today. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't play in the first two, played on Sunday, homered his first at bat, and then uh, had another home run and a stolen base today. So I don't grand, see how. Grand slam. Yeah, I don't see how they don't continue to play him, even though he hit ninth. Um, seems like Grossman's a guy they're going to play every day. So they'll probably rotate between Mazzara and Reyes, but I think Badu's got to. Got to get the opportunity to play now. He had a hot spring, made the team, and, you know, off to a good start. So when a guy's hitting like that, and especially when you're Detroit, uh, I think you got to get the guy in there. Yeah, right? I mean, come on. Rule five pick. He didn't cost you anything. So, I mean, get him in there. Let him let him swing the bat. That's kind of what we're all hoping for. Um, again, that's one of those, like, catch lightning in a bottle. I, you know, drafted Badu super late in, like, two leagues. Dropped him, you know, what you would call it? I guess, yeah, it was like right after the first fab. I put my bids in there and I needed pitching. And I was like, man, my offense, my my offense is just crazy loaded right now. Who's the worst player on my team that I could drop? And that was Badu. Uh, because I was like, ah, I need the the pitching more. And uh, and that of course that move went down and then you know, then all of a sudden, then he plays, uh, hits that home run. Now he starts, now he gets the, the grand slam. So, um, it's all bittersweet for me, it's all bittersweet. But I gotta tell you, man, the home run calls for Akil Badu should be fucking funny. I'm sure, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Anything else in baseball that you saw? You want to, uh, you want to move on to pick on my stupid Jets with the uh. Oh my God, the Sam Darnold trade. Why you don't like it? I no, I don't. What did I mean, you want them to do? Keep them? I think that I think they were better off keeping them. There's nothing, there's nothing that says that Zach Wilson is is going to be substantially better than Sam Darnold. And I, I don't mean just mean this year, I mean long term, I mean career. I I, I can't I can't sit there and say that Sam Darnold is is a shit quarterback. Because he had Adam Gase, you know, and um, Gase is a piece of garbage. You know, somewhere, somehow, somebody said that Adam Gase was a quarterback guru because he just basically let Peyton Manning do whatever he wanted in Denver and then took all the fucking credit for it. So well, then Peyton he goes Manning to, has endorsed him. That has not helped. No, it didn't help because he was a, yeah, Peyton Manning's probably like, yeah, listen, he was a great guy. Guy let me do whatever I wanted to do. Go get him. So so then he goes down to Miami and he's garbage there and they go through all these offensive coordinators and and what happens? Tannehill blossoms in in a different system. Uh you know when he goes to Tennessee and anything that that Gase touches turns to shit. He goes to the Jets and Sam Darnold turns to shit. Um and you know because the offense is garbage and and you know, now now he's gonna go to uh he's gonna go to Carolina. I think with Robert Saleh in as the coach and installing Kyle Shanahan's offensive system, I think that catered to actually to the strengths of Sam Darnold. He can roll out. I mean, you know, he's not, you know, to me, you know, I think he was he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, talent-wise, arm-wise, str- arm strength-wise. I think that he was fine for for that spot. But now, now, I mean, yeah, okay, great. We've got 21 
We got 21 draft picks in these next two drafts. Seven of those 21, a third of those picks are in the first or second round. It's great draft capital. It's fantastic draft capital. We're going to use all of our draft capital in this draft. We're going to grab Zach Wilson. We're going to try and what? Build up our offensive line. We have no fucking wide receivers. We have no running backs there. I mean, our defense is, is hot trash in the secondary. So, I mean, we have all these holes to fill. So we're going to spend like two years worth of draft capital trying to like pick up these players. Uh, by the time that this group is like ready to, you know, what? They're, they're, they're ready to, to, to gel with each other or finally develop. Um, you know, you're looking at, okay, so we'll pick up the fifth year on Zach Wilson if he's worthwhile. Like, we're still so up in the air right now. This dra- this this trade doesn't do anything for us. Uh, it just it takes away the experienced quarterback we could have walked into the season with. But with now, with you saying that, would you still have figured out then if Donald's the guy, if you have nothing around him? You would have, you would have put him in. You would have let him grow within this system. You would have, he would have had, to me, better confidence, better pocket presence, better, you know, better, better vision on the field um, as this team is is working. You use all this draft capital, but you surround an experienced quarterback. You know, you don't have, you know, Zach Wilson sitting there. He's gonna be all fucking wide eyed like every other rookie. And, and, you know, you could have had the same talent in the form of Darnold, but with a couple of years of experience under his belt already. He knows the NFL game. He knows the opposition, right? Wilson doesn't. One thing, though, about the whole, you can turn it around quick in the NFL now compared to other sports. Yeah, Sure. Sure you can, but you have to have the right infrastructure and coaching in place and obviously draft properly. Yeah. <laughs> um, 100% correct. So let me ask you, Adam, um, on a scale of one to 10, how much confidence do you have in the fucking Jets to do all of that? Well, the Jets, no, but I think they did bring in the right coach. I think they brought in the right coach. I think Joe Douglas is a decent general manager right now. Um, but I, again, it's just, this is going to be, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I feel like we're just, we're starting, we're starting exactly where we were when we signed, when we drafted Sam Darnold, right? We're in the exact same, we're not even in the exact same spot. We're worse right now. Like surrounding wide player wise on the roster, we're worse right now than we were when Darnold started. So good luck getting everything uh, underway here, Zach. Well, that's the key. They have to be right on Wilson. If they're not, then they're in trouble. Yeah. I'm very upset by it. I think I'm I I I think I'm gonna become a Minnesota Vikings fan. Yeah, that's a franchise that will cause you no pain. Yeah, at least they're fucking competitive right now, right? Come on. I guess. I mean, I don't know why you would go to Minnesota of all teams, but. Because I look great in purple, dude. Have you ever seen like, you know, what my eye, my eyes pop when I'm in purple, dude. Okay. I didn't know that was the reason. I thought it was because they're competitive. Is that what you, what you oh, said? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. That's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on. Storied franchise, the purple people eaters, get myself a throwback Fran Tarkenton jersey. Exactly. You know, be like, yeah, I've been with him every, you know, the whole way. Dalvin Cook, the Kubiak family still there. Come on. They can do it. They can do it. That was Adrian Peterson's franchise for some time. Yes, it was. So. So that's why I want to go to Minnesota. What am I going to do? Go to Dallas? Piece of nah, shit organization. You don't need to go there. Dude, I, I would kill myself before I fucking started rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry. Can't do it. Team's a piece of crap. <sighs> How are your fantasy teams doing? Are you any good? Are you guys st- starting off hot? Starting off slow? Nah. Most are good, but labor, I'm dead last. You know, going into Sunday, I had two-thirds of an inning pitched. <laughs> and no home runs. Because I had three a lot of nationals. Nats, a lot of Mets. Three nationals. DeGrom was pushed back. So I didn't get my first start until yesterday. I think I had Eflin, Urias, and then someone who didn't pitch well. I forgot who. But, yeah, I mean, it's nothing you can do, you know. It's, Few days, guys don't go. Cold starts. Yeah, I see. I'm still in last, uh, even tonight. Uh, I have Degrom going tonight. Let's see. Oh, I'm up to 32 in the third innings. All right. Okay. Now I still have no home runs, and I'm hitting 192. So. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, you know, it's so funny, man. I have such a hard time. You know. And I, you know, because I get it, man. You're in a home league. You just had the draft. You want to talk some shit, you know. And somebody's like, "Yeah, you're last place in this league." I'm like, "Yeah, and yeah, well, April fifth, sixth, yeah, okay." Like, are you are you trying to goad me into something here? Because it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work after after the first weekend. Ay ay ay. Ah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Some people like putting banners up in April. Let them enjoy it. Oh, dude, victory laps or so. How about have you did you see the uh the the fucking victory laps of see this is why you don't draft starting pitching early? Yeah, I mean. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's day 1, it's cold and um you know, and some guys did well, some guys did it. It's it's going to happen. And yeah, it's one game. Let's relax. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. People have said it to me. You know, they're like, oh, and you, Darvish sucks. And Luis Castillo sucks. And this is why you don't take start pitching early. Doop, 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 doop. Fucking pisses me off. That, you know what? It pisses me off as much as, you know, I'm, I'm writing about this for Kicking Rocks. You know what? Actually, I'm curious as to your take on this here because you're a man caught in the middle, right? The, um, the debate between high stakes players and fantasy analysts who aren't in NFBC high stakes contests and the whole, you know, who's a real player, who's a better player, this, that, the other thing. Um, it all got started because uh, what you call it? Somebody tweeted out from the, uh, from the TGFBI um, something about like botching a uh, botching a roster move, like did not reset the roster properly and missed Corbin Burns's first start. And uh, and Mike the Mouth actually 
uh, turned around and said, this is why every year when somebody invites me into the great fast, you know, into TGFBI, I don't do it because, you know, and it was basically, it's like, there's no, there's, there's no skin in the game. These are amateur people who are making amateur moves and there's no competition here. And then of course that obviously turns into, well, you know, people in tout wars or, or, or labor should play high stakes. And if they don't, then, you know, whatever, then, then they're not analysts that you trust or, uh, or you shouldn't take advice from them, this, that, the other thing. So you're actually kind of caught in the middle. I'm not so much caught in the middle because I'm actually not in any NFBC leagues, you know, and because, you know, obviously my financial situation right now is not conducive for it. And I play in a couple of home leagues where, you know, it's one's, you know, one's $400 entry fee and the other one's a $350 entrance fee. So, you know, no, it's not the NFBC, but they're home leagues that are pricey. And and I prefer to play in those as opposed to in the NFBC because I like having some fun with it also. And, and you know, obviously bragging rights over friends, this and that. But um, you've seen these debates go back and forth. Or do you find yourself caught in the middle at all? You just stay out of it. No, I stay out of it. I don't care. I think people more, more so many people waste their fucking time on social media. You guys have a lot of free time on your hand if you're sitting there arguing about this shit. It's getting nowhere. Like, first of all, the job of an analyst is to help people win. And if people follow someone that helps them win, that's really what matters. The problem I have with analysts is the people who fucking quit in these leagues. And I've said it time and time again, whether it's a Sirius XM host league or TGFBI, that's where I have a problem with. If you don't have the time and you're going to say, well, my money leagues are more important, don't fucking play. I don't know how many times I have to say it, man. And that's what annoys me because I think it does look awful if you're going to quit in any league, whether there's money or not. Don't tell me, well, my money leagues are more important. No, then you need to figure out which leagues you can pay attention to and get out of those leagues. And don't do TGFBI or tout because you were invited. Just say, no, I can't do it. Don't do it to be on the radio and it's prestigious. I'm in it. And then you're going to quit. No. So that's the problem I have. Uh, as far as the high stakes leagues, look, it's a different community. It, the draft is different. If you see those boards, I mean, it's different than a home league. A 15-team main event is completely different than a 12-team home league. So you can look at those guys and maybe they know more, know how to play the game better, but it's a different game than your home league. So I, I do think, you know, if you see an analyst who does play well in the high stakes leagues or is a participant, that that could separate them for some people. Other people might be like, well, this guy helps you win every year. I like his information. He's in there's different levels to it. There's entertainment factor. There's the advice factor. So there's so many different things that go into it. Um, but there are so many people in this field right now. And there are a lot of bad analysts out there and a lot of bad players. Yeah. So there's truth to it. You know what I mean? So just because you're in an industry league doesn't mean you're good. I've seen, you know that we've seen it. You guys want to sit there and make excuses. There's a scoreboard, bro. <laughs> their, their score, Tout has the, the money factor. Like, you can see the results. So it's there. And some people are really good at giving advice. They're not good players. I've said this. There are people who can break down players as good as anyone. And then I see them play fantasy. They can't construct the roster. There's two different elements to it. Maybe you're really good at player analysis. You're good at drafting. Maybe you're not good on fab. Maybe you're not just good at playing the game. There is a difference. 
between analyzing players, breaking them down and doing all the intricacies and breaking down all the stats and then game theory and putting together a successful roster. And I think a lot of people in this industry are not good at it. I see it time and time again. And I sit there, I'm like, what are they doing? Like, what are they thinking? And I think that's probably where it draws the ire of the high stakes player. But again, just because high stakes players too, some of them have money to throw around. Doesn't mean they're good. You know, and they have a scoreboard too. So you can go look and see, okay, who are the guys have done well? How many entries have they put in? How many times have they won? So it kind of goes both ways. And I don't know. I feel like there's been too much negativity with it lately. And I just stay away from it. I, I really think people waste so much time on it. I agree with you. I think it's uh, it's ridiculous. There was, uh, it was like Saturday, Sunday, whatever. I was, I was laid up sick the entire weekend. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I'd like gain consciousness for a little while. Be lying there in bed. I'll just look at my phone and start scrolling through it. I scrolled through my timeline, and I saw that you know back and forth with uh, Mike the Mouth and some and Justin Mason, and there was somebody else involved in the whole thing. The guy who actually made the mistake, and I was like, why? why? I just don't understand why we're having this debate. I mean, and you summed it up perfectly. They're two totally different games. Drafting in the NFBC in a fifteen-team league with no trading is a lot different. Than drafting in a 12-team mixed league that's like super deep and you've got waiver wire and you can trade and all the other stuff that kind of goes along with it. They are. I mean, it's not not apples and oranges. Well, maybe it is apples and oranges because you know they're both fruit, they're both fantasy baseball leagues, but you know, they're they're just they're completely different. They're completely different. You know, it's like talking about, you know, head-to-head leagues. They're, and that's another thing also. There are some analysts out there, Adam, who, who I, you know, I think only play head-to-head. Don't even play head-to-head points leagues, no no less. Like, not even, not even like old-school Roto. Yeah, no, there's different games and different strategies for it. So that's that's a big factor in it. So I don't know. I think people waste their time and energy um, you know, I just tell people, find an analyst that you like, that you believe in, that's entertaining, whether you're listening or like their writing. And I think it does help you. I think you want to follow a guy that has success, right? If you see a guy that's continuously losing, you're probably sitting there and go, why am I going to take advice from him? I mean, right. he doesn't do well in any of his leagues. That guy can still help you, though. Pro- well, probably. I would think. I don't know. Maybe he can. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like going to the uh, to the marriage counselor who happens to be divorced four yeah, times. Yeah, has been divorced seven times in his life. <laughs> like, okay, I'll listen to you, right? You're going to help me fix my marriage when you've had seven failures. So there is some truth to that. But then again, there might be some people that you just say, you know what? This guy's entertaining. Then again, like that's kind of wasting your time. You're gonna listen to someone on fantasy that's just entertaining, but they're not helping you, and then you got to go somewhere else for the informational. I don't know. People can make their own decisions. People can definitely make their own decisions, no doubt about it. I try to do both, Adam. I try to entertain, and I try to win leagues too. You know, a little something for everybody. Exactly. That's what I try to do as well. So hopefully the people are entertained and get some valuable information that helps them successful in winning their money leagues or well their said, leagues just Adam. for funds. Well said, Adam Ronis. Well said. And you know what? We'll end things on such a positive note here from, from Adam. So uh, big thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, we will be back again tomorrow. Thanks so much for subscribing and liking. 
the Annie Up Podcast. For my man, Adam Ronis, I'm Howard Bender. We'll catch you next time.